coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. You know, begin with the end in mind when you're making your business plan, right? You got to define your product up front so you can create a forecast so you can project that out over time and discount your cash flow to today's dollars, right? Yep. So you need to do. And uh, so we help them decide, okay, what is, you know, based on their strengths and weaknesses, what's the best place for them to be interfacing with the market. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have John Thompson, who is the founder and CEO of Extract Lab. What they basically do is they help connect people together who are interested in being involved in the hemp industry, which I, quite honestly, was not all that terribly familiar with all of the different nuances and the different opportunities that are available in the help in the hemp industry. So they will connect you if you want to be on the farming side of things, if you want to be on the manufacturing side of things, or if you want to be on the distribution side of things, they will help connect you to the right types of, of people to bring your business online. So it was really a very, very fascinating, interesting conversation that I had with John. He's a very, very technical person, but he has a great way of describing and explaining all of these concepts and ideas. So if you're interested at all in the in the hemp industry, this is going to be an episode that you certainly are going to want to tune into. I hope you enjoy today's episode with John Thompson on Pass the Secret Sauce. It was intermittent. Both of my parents were uh, teachers, so they would typically, you know, they would typically work late. And I spent a lot of dinners uh, actually at school uh, where everybody was gone for the day, but I would spend them at school. So it, it was okay. There was the gym there, of course, and there was students there for after school activities and stuff and um, spent a lot of time with high school students because they were in the high school. So even as a young kid, I was... I spent a lot of time there. So yeah, it was kind of interesting. So we had a lot of dinners there. And then, uh, you know, around the dinner table, it was, you know, we grew up around our grandparents. And so we had a lot of, a lot of that uh, also. So I, I can't complain. I, I'm very blessed. Well, that's good. That's good. And, and so do you think that being around older kids helped influence you to kind of like push you a little bit further ahead than what your age was, would you say? Yeah, more so my older brother. Okay. He, he definitely had a pretty big impact on on me just from the standpoint of he he's he's an accountant and uh, you know very precise and everything. I'm I'm more artsy and so that has a that had a pretty big effect on me. And also just you know also in your you know in your in your work and things like that because uh, I spent a lot of time with a lot of the older kids. Yeah, I mean it it had a huge impact. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that, I could absolutely see how that uh, how that would be the case. W- were you? Did you have any type of entrepreneurial tendencies growing up as as a kid? Were you selling anything or trying no. to? 
No, you, you, no, you didn't hit, did. the bug didn't I, hit you till later. No, huh? it kind of was. No, I mean, I know there are those guys that are out there, right? They, they, they like are born sellers. They're, you know, <laughs> you know that they're going to be, you know, selling something when they get older. I was, uh, I went into science and that, uh, that led me to, you know, into graduate school. I got a PhD in analytical chemistry. And what really kind of jettisoned me into the whole idea of being an entrepreneur is I started to my, work for an entrepreneur. That was my first job. And, uh, he, uh, was my mentor, business mentor, really. And he really pulled me into, Hey, here's how a small business works. Here's how you get started. Mm-hmm. You know, here's how you build a business. Um, and it, he did that with me as, as, a, as a young scientist, which was really great because, um, he ended up promoting me up to uh, his organization. And, you know, I ended up doing a lot of business development and science together. So it's kind of melded, you know, kind of the two expertises mm-hmm. that I have business startup and then science. So I've done a lot of business startups, not only for myself, but hundreds of other people. I've put them into the business of hemp processing and uh, cannabis processing and making all kinds of uh, products, uh, vape products, uh, gummies, everything. So yeah. we've, we've yeah. put a lot of people into business. That's cool. So so what made you get into the hemp and CBD business? What Was there any type of a catalyst or anything like that that, that brought you in that direction? Well, okay. Um, you, know, you always have college buddies, right? Yeah. And I uh, had a college buddy, and he, he basically said, hey, John, I'm going to go write a an application for a cannabis in Minnesota. And he wanted to know if I wanted to do the technical science side of it. Uh, he was a medical doctor, emergency medical doctor at the time. And so we were actually a pretty good team. We, we wrote the application. He did a lot of the, a lot of the political stuff, a lot of the business stuff. You know, he kind of was very good at putting a team together. And I focused on, you know, putting the whole science side of it together. And I had a company at the time that, I used basically to get that all done. We had uh, four PhDs on staff. And so we ended up building out that facility, which which was a grow facility that then converted the the plants into oils and then the oils into into products. And we mm-hmm. formulated products. Um, we were doing pretty advanced products uh back in the when the industry was still very young back in 2015 so they were they're they're very advanced even for now they were advanced we were pulling the different cannabinoids apart and then putting them back together in unique formulations that the plant couldn't do for example and making um kind of engineering the experience for our customers and they were all medicine based so you wanted to have complete you know consistent dosing you wanted to have consistent uh, different cannabinoids with different specific ratios. So we were doing all that at Got the it. time. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. No. So so this is actually fascinating. So you, when when you're saying that you applied for an application, I, I'm assuming that that means that you essentially wanted to, for layman's terms, have a license to be able to grow it. Is that basically what 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 you were referring to with that? Yeah. Yeah, so in the U.S., you know, THC obviously is a is a component of a, of marijuana that will get you high, yeah. and uh, that that is regulated currently in two different levels. One is the state level, and then the other is the federal level. At the federal level, that molecule still is an evil molecule. It's still on what's called, considered to be Schedule One, 
uh, which means that it has no medical benefit. The states around the union have recognized, however, that, hey, maybe the FDA and the DEA have this wrong. And, uh, you know, over the millennia, people have taken THC for many medicinal reasons. And so um, they enacted laws within their own states that legalized it within the border of that state. And a good example of this that most people know about is, for example, Colorado or California, where they, they legalized it. Now, what has happened is a lot of the states in the union have uh, basically followed suit. And now, um, you know, over half of those uh, states are, are now legal in some sort of way. So it's a... Uh, whether it's legal from a medical standpoint or legal from a recreational standpoint, that it, there's a lot of momentum along those lines. And there's momentum also along the lines of people going into, you know, making it nationally legal or federally legal, uh, like Canada has, for example. So, you know, so what people do is they uh, go from state to state and they apply for licenses. And these are competitive licenses. And in the case of Minnesota, there's only two manufacturers in the whole entire state who have licenses out of hundreds of people who apply. Oh, wow. So same thing with all the other medical states. Um, um, good example, that would be New York. For example, there's, I think there's approximately five licensed manufacturers or producers, as opposed to, say, Colorado, which has thousands, right? So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's more of a controlled way of rolling out, you know, cannabis into a state where it can be controlled with a small number of manufacturers versus a large number of manufacturers. And of course, those licenses can be quite lucrative and they're very competitive. Yes. But yeah, this is, this is really interesting. So explain what you do with, with your company. You, you, do you actually grow it or you mentioned that you help other people get involved in the business? What, what exactly do you guys do? Right. So there are basically within the cannabis industry and the hemp industry. There are two, there are two distinct industries. Okay. One, one of them is the cannabis industry. And that's where, uh, like I just mentioned, the state by state uh, laws, people are apply and they're put into business by the state. We help those cannabis manufacturers convert their flour into crops. For example, we'll, we'll help them extract all of their plant material, make oils, mm-hmm. distill that oil into very potent oil, and then formulate that oil into, say, a vapor. Okay, We do that exact same thing in the world of hemp, uh, where a lot of people are growing, instead of uh, growing you know, 50,000 square feet of cannabis, we would grow 50 acres of cannabis, Okay, only it wouldn't be cannabis, it would be considered hemp. And um, the main difference and the distinction between the two markets is that uh, the hemp plant material itself is less than 0.3% THC. So, so that's, that's the main difference. People grow it in the field that's considered a crop. In the 2018 field, really put people into the business of basically extracting, growing hemp in, in, a, in a major way. Okay, mm-hmm. So you find people, if you look around in your state, you probably have hundreds of growers there growing anywhere from two, two acres up to 10 acres. Now, those people want to be able to also move their products, move that plant material into products, okay? So we put the people, uh, our customers, into the business of um, the conversion of the plant material into products. And we do this for ingredients manufacturers. People want to just make 
you know, for example, um, powders or or uh, distillate oils or what they call full spectrum oils. It's the oils that are most like the plant. And there's people who make ingredients. And then we also help people go all the way through to actual end products. And we do this on a global basis. And uh, we do this in uh, GMP environments as well, which are like FDA controlled environments. Um, that's uh, that's typically in Canada. Mm -hmm. And then also in Europe, and South America, and Central America. So we're all over the place. We just put people into the business of extracting their plants and, uh, you know, making products. So like yeah. consumer goods products. So, so obviously in the last couple of years, there's been, you know, different CBD shops and stores and products and that, that have sprung up, if you will. Right. The, the types of plants that you're talking about, you know, more of the hemp based type plants, that's where the CBD oil, oil comes from, correct? Correct, yeah. So the, the, the stores that you see out on the marketplace, if you're in a, just, you know, those, there's two different kinds. Obviously, if you're in a cannabis state, one of those might be, you know, like a dispensary, an actual dispensary. But um, a lot of the CBD stores that you see popping up, those are just hemp stores. And all, all they are is they're, they're taking the products that come out of the hemp plant and they're mm -hmm. selling and so that's uh that's what a lot of people are doing. Yep. Okay. Okay. Typically hemp derived. Yeah. And and what types of products can you make? You know, obviously you have the CBD oil. What other types of products can you make out of hemp? I mean, I I know I've seen yeah. hemp for so, years and years, but right. Well, let let me kind of go into some of the hemp oil ideas there. Uh, first of all, CBD oil or our hemp CBD oil. These, these are oils that come out, so they're kind of oily, they're resinous, okay, they're thick, and they smell wonderful, they're gorgeous, okay? And <laughs> the grains will have different smells and flavors and aromas associated with them, but there's all types of different types of hemp oils. One, one hemp oil, kind of hemp oil will come from the seed, and that's where they crush up the seed and they make hemp oil, and that that actually has no uh, cannabinoids in it whatsoever. Okay, so that that's one type, and you can find that at Costco or wherever. Now, when you go into some of the oils, on the flower of the hemp plant is are these little mushroom-based structures, and they they look clear, and they're called trichomes. And uh, similarly, they that's where all the cannabinoids are made. That's where all the terpenes, which are people for flavor and aroma, that's where all they're. So you extract that off using uh, CO2, which is really great because it's super clean, it's clinical grade, and you don't have to worry about residual solvents in your in your extracts the way say you know other techniques do. Um, so you know, gone are the days of you know you look up a book and you say okay, use benzene or gasoline to you know extract your marijuana. No, 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 that's not a good idea. Okay, yeah. because you have that you know toxic stuff in there. Yeah. So yeah, you CO2, what's nice about it is that it, it's super clean, right? It's like bubbles in your, in your, you're using bubbles to extract your, your, your plant. So that will create what they call a, a CBD oil. Okay. And it's kind of thick. And then what a lot of people like to do is they like to refine that oil uh, to create other different types of oils. So one type of oil, they'll take the refining of that oil. They'll take the waxes out of that oil. Okay. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, now you have CBD oil plus waxes, and those waxes actually are uh, can be used in, in all kinds of cosmetical goods. Uh, they're very nice and silky. And then that that uh, de-waxed oil can be further refined into distillate oil, 
okay. and CBD distillate. And then that can even be refined into a pure CBD powder, which is called CBD isolate. So that's kind of the train of it. People use those different forms of, of CBD to create different products. And these include gummies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they include, you know, things like, uh, you know, edibles, uh, even, you know, some people market edibles. Um, some people don't market edibles. Vapor pens, uh, tinctures, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So there really is no limit except for what the FDA says you can and cannot do, you know, and, they don't even have very clear rules as to what you can and cannot do. So there's a, there's a little bit of still there has to be a little bit more of a definition in the market for there to be a huge explosion. But we're at about $5 billion, wow. $6 in overall. And the market is supposed to grow to 25, 27, depending, you know, on which report you're reading, a billion dollars in. In size over the next couple of years, and and that just started in 2015, right? That that's uh, basically when. That, well, it real the lid blew off in 2018. That's okay. when the all happened, and that's where it was explicitly uh, stated that you could you could use CBD oil. So there was a previous farm bill, but it was it was so unclear that it it um, only fringes of um, people would actually you know use that. In, in hemp process. So it wasn't until 2018 that everything just kind of blew up. So it was, it was a really great thing. And now there's opportunities for exports also with hemp, hemp fibers. And that's another thing that is very, very uh, appealing. And the USDA, in fact, uh, you know, they have programs where they'll pre- pre-purchase your loan with loan money and stuff and guaranteed loans on, on uh, exports. So it's, it is, um, you know, Hemp is one of those things that's been around in the U.S. for hundreds of years, and um, you know, and it makes sense that it should be legalized and used as a rotation crop again. Yeah, yeah, and and correct me if I'm wrong though, but most of the the hemp, and this probably was before 2018, most of the hemp was imported. Correct? We weren't growing it here. Yeah, no, the, we were actually growing it here. Okay. Um, there was a 2014 bill that was there that allowed some growth, but it was. It was very, it was, it was not written in a way that was clear enough that really allowed someone to, with reasonable business sense to go out and start to grow it. So everything was clarified in the 2018 bill. And it, and, um, that was, um, basically Mitch McConnell and the, and the, you know, Kentucky hemp, it's huge, Kentucky, right? So big deal, uh, big deal happened there. And it got, they got it through. And signed into law, and uh, the rest is history. I mean, right now we're on this climb up to you know twenty plus billion dollars in overall market size in the next mm-hmm. couple. Of years. So it's really exciting. A lot of people want to get into it. Virtus Technology is a custom business software solution provider. Are you tired of manual entry into an old system that creates more work than it helps? Does your company suffer from constant pain and frustration around its business processes? Do you spend a lot of time and money trying to hunt information down or figure out what is happening in your business? Virtus Technology can help solve all of this. We evaluate your current processes and then create custom software or mobile apps to automate and streamline your business process, eliminating a lot of those pains and frustrations. 
Unlike other systems, our goal is to digitize your current processes and systems so that your staff's learning curve is very small. If you're ready to take your business operations to the next level, give Virtus Technology a call today. There's different points of entry. You have the retail side of it, you have the manufacturing side of it, and you have the growing farmer side. So you, you just you know, decide where you want to enter and, and go for it. What, what types of barriers to entry is there with each one of those each one of those points. Obviously, you mentioned right. a few minutes ago that there's some type of government assistance. Is that assistance available for all of those, or is it only available for some of them? Or again, talk a little bit about some of the some of the the hurdles that you would have to jump through creating the various types of businesses. So a lot of people approach us uh, because they've done some back of the napkin calculations. And they think they're going to be like billionaires overnight. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't quite work that way. Okay. There's, there, you know, I, I have a rule of two when it comes to entrepreneur ideas. And that is it's going to take you twice as long and twice as much money to get to the revenue number that you think. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, that seems to always hold true. And, uh, so, you know, we had, we help people really create their business plan. So people come to us, they come to us sometimes with an idea and some funding, and then they look at the marketplace and they're saying, okay, look, we want to be involved in this, in this explosion. So how do we, how do we interface? And that can be done from the farmer side. Now, starting there, farmers, uh, typically they're, they're, they're growing corn and they're growing soy and they're looking at prices and they're like, okay, I want to, I want to upgrade my crops. And I want to I want to sell hemp instead of these items. Okay, well, uh, the big barrier there is the channel to market, which is which is the the vapor pen. So you're going to uh, from a, you know basically a planted good or a biomass to the to the actual actual end product, and then the end product, of course, you have a brand, you have retail, you have all that stuff. So you have to be able to plug into those channels that have the brands, that have the retail, that have the customers that are creating the demand for your biomass product. Just don't, but a lot of people, they'll just go out and start growing it because they want it's legal and, you know, it's a really good way to lose a lot of money. Okay. But if you have a good supply agreement ahead of time, then that's a really great place of entry. The second uh, place of entry really is the manufacturing side, and that's where you're converting the biomass into uh, oils and or products for, for wholesale or your own brand. Mm -hmm. um, it's a really great place to enter because you're upgrading a product, which is the biomass, to, uh, you know, to, to, to something where there's multiple, place, multiple points of margin. A lot of people have entered at that level, and then there's the pure, strict retail brand level. And that just takes a, you can see the skill sets are completely different from the farming to, uh, you know, bringing it into a manufacturing facility and converting everything into a real product. And then also uh, then onto, you know, uh, a real product uh, out into the brand. So once you have that brand, of course, that's where you hit the consumers and the consumers are saying, well, I like this. I don't like this. You know, here, I'm going to buy this brand because it really looks good. And so you really have to, uh, you really have to take a look at those three areas from an investor perspective 
and understand where your skills and strengths lie and where maybe you can partner with some people. So suppose you want to be vertically integrated. You want to go and you want to have the, you want to have your farm, farm to paper pen products. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're going to need to gather a coalition of entrepreneurs. Okay. Uh, to really make that happen. And I would say that the coalition is best done, uh, in terms of a vehicle via contract or contingent contracts rather than, um, you know, like partnering, uh, with, you know, on a business. So, um, you guys keep all your own business, you get all your own profits, but we just agree to work together on a, mm-hmm. a contractual way. That's the best way to do entrepreneurship. Got it. So, so basically, I, I guess on the farm, farming side of things, obviously you need the land, you need the space. You need the harvesting equipment. I'm assuming there is yep. equipment that goes along, like specialized right. equipment that you know for harvesting just this, correct? Yeah, there is, and a lot of it's done by hand now because a okay. lot of the, you know specific implements haven't really been out on the market yet. There are some people who are adapting existing you know combine, but I would say that this this crop is not like a back of the tractor seat type of crop. You're going to be working really hard. Yeah. Um, you know, you have irrigation and um, you have to take care of the plants. One thing that's interesting about the plant itself is that there's a male-female version of it, and you don't want any of the males around. Uh, so you have to go out and inspect the actual plant and pull the males. You have oh, to, wow. Yes. So there can only be ladies uh, in your field. Otherwise, you're going to get lots of seeds in your flowers. Uh, and so that, that becomes an issue. So Interesting. And, and where do the male plants come from if there's only females there? I mean, is it just well, typically they're, yeah, typically they're bred, uh, you know, like the, in a, in a plant breeding program, you would feminize it so that the only, the seeds would only be, you know, female. But in some cases, maybe you have hermaphroditing occurring. That's one possibility. And then sometimes males get, you know, genetics, you know, it's, it's hard to keep things. Genetics aren't necessarily stable all the time. So you'd have to, um, you know, sometimes there's always a small percentage of the males in there. You gotta watch it. So, um, if you wanna preserve your crop. There are, getting back on the farming side, um, USDA has a loan program where you can go in and you can look. I think it's 400 grand you can get started. And, um, some people have taken advantage of that, uh, program. And then on the export side, there's also, which I had mentioned before, there's also help there for guaranteed loans. Or uh, in the event that you do an export, so there's different programs there. You should talk to your USDA, um, you know, type banker, and they should know about those programs to help you out. Yeah. On the on the manufacturing side, the loans there are typically at a higher rate of interest because uh, because of the nature of the market, and you have to have very good credit and also a pretty strong personal balance sheet to qualify for the loan. So. Two different ways people do it. They either get, uh, you know, a partner with the cash, guy puts on the cash, or they get a partner with the cash who can qualify for the loan. So a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs use other people's money for their startup, yeah. startup. Yeah. So if, if you are interested in getting involved in the manufacturing side of things, you know, obviously there's, there's the connections and there, the, the, um, funnel of, product into you and then, you know, where you're passing that, that product on to, whether it be exports or some type of uh, end product manufacturer. What, what types of facilities do you need for that? Any other, mm-hmm. any other equipment that would be needed? Yeah. I mean, what, what types of things do you need to, to run in right. that 
in that center section? So a bunch of different things. Okay, so you're going to need a lot of equipment and know-how and um, facilities. And uh, I've written extensively about this and also done a tremendous number of podcasts specifically on these things. Is there are rules and there are requirements. And that's something that, uh, you know, contacting a company like ours, extractlabs.com, you can go there. Uh, we, we pretty much take care of you. If you come in, we'll, we'll find out where you're at on your business plan. We'll help you uh, take that business plan and bring it down to numbers. Uh, so that it can be pitched. Uh, we'll give you resources to help you pitch, in fact. And then after that, we'll give you an idea about what kind of capital equipment will go on your balance sheet, uh, what kind of cash working capital you're going to need to get started up, depending on your business plan. We tailor this to each uh, one of our clients. Interesting, interesting. And we do put people in the business. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that, I mean, it's great. I mean, it's kind of like you're like a middleman connecting all the pieces together and doing all yeah. the, all the legwork and, and research. So that's, yeah, that's we, fantastic. Yeah. Our, our, our deal there is, uh, of course, we, we do facility designs and then we also, we're equipment manufacturers. So I'm a scientist okay. like I said in the beginning. And, and, uh, so you'd be using Dr. John's, uh, equipment. And uh, we invented the equipment. We put it all together. Uh, we've been refining it over uh, many, many years now. And uh, yeah, so it's a you'll be using the state of the art equipment for sure. That's and and we, we build that all in. We train you guys how to get it all done. We uh, give you SOPs, which are standard operating procedures, instructions for use. We train all your people, and then we also have a facility for training uh, that you can go to 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 do all the training and get oh, wow. certified. So. From an operational perspective, we got your back. Um, from the investment standpoint, we can give you some advice and uh, help you with calculators and things like that for, you know, finding out what your operational costs are and things like that. You're going to need to know that when you go in front of an investor. Yeah. And then you have to know what you're going to do with the end product, too. And that's usually where, you know, begin with the end in mind when you're making your business plan, right? you got to define your product up front so you can create a forecast so you can project that out over time and discount your cash flow to today's dollars, right? Yep. So you need to do, and uh, so we help them decide, okay, what is, you know, based on their strengths and weaknesses, what's the best place for them to be interfacing with the market. Interesting. And and are there any limitations to locations that can do this, or is this basically any 50, any of the 50 states you can farm, manufacture? Uh, Idaho is one of them. Um, you can't, you can't, uh, do anything in Idaho in terms of hemp, but pretty much everywhere else. I think North Dakota just passed their law and I think that the rest of them have adopted the USDA rules for federal law. So the federal law, the farm bill took effect and then the states adopt it with their own, um, you know, they have to appropriate, mm -hmm. uh, funds for you know, for administration programs. So that's what the adoption is. And if this doesn't adopt it, and then it's not, uh, it's not legal. So, so the states have, most of the states have ratified it. There are a couple exceptions. I, I have a, a podcast on uh, hemp legal, which if anybody's interested in all the details associated with hemp legal, there's a lot of things to think about from a business standpoint. You can go there and, and check out, uh, that, uh, that particular thing. Yeah. And there's also, that I have there. So just think about that if you're interested. 
Yeah, let us know. Yeah, that's really interesting. And and if you wanted to just invest in the CBD or hemp industry, are there uh, channels that you would suggest going through? Maybe you don't want to be the actual person doing the work. You just want to you know, put up the cash. Any any advice there? Yeah. Well, one thing that you could do, if you, it depends on where, what your appetite is for risk. So one thing that we do is a partnering. So sometimes we might find an excellent operator or an excellent guy that has a brand that needs an operator and an investor. So sometimes if you have an idea and say, hey, I'm an investor, raise your hand so that I'm an investor. I'm, I'd like to find a strong partner and I want to get into the business mm-hmm. because I think that this is going to be, you know, I want to get into it. Give us a call and we can put you together with some people, okay, that we feel are strong. Maybe the partnership will work. Maybe it doesn't. We don't really get involved with that, but we make introductions, okay? So that's a big, that's a big deal. Also, you can invest on the stock market, okay? Oh. And, um, you know, there are some uh, stocks that are publicly traded that you can invest. You know, those, those, you know, probably it's a risk reward type of thing. So, your reward is going to be obviously a lot less than if you started your own business and, you know, built it up to, you know, 10 million and sold it off. That's going to be a greater uh, reward at the end. So you just got to decide what your risk reward profile is. I would say that, uh, I would stick with the, with the, the larger stocks, the, with the larger market caps, obviously, and go for it. But, you know, a lot of people from an investment side, they want to, okay, want to take a risk, you know, partnering. Or, you know, I don't know. I haven't been a big fan of the OTC. Yeah. But there's a lot of them on there that are doing that right now. They have OTC and pink sheets, whatever. You can go there and, and, and invest. So, I love it. I love it. Yeah, this is this is fascinating. If someone it's, the wild, it's the Wild West, the hemp Wild it, West. It's, it's, that's what it seems like. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems like this is all just so new and everybody's just trying to figure it out. And like you, you know, you're building yeah. machines and equipment trying to figure out how to you know, best process this and... That's exactly what it seems like. It is the Wild West. I mean, it, it, that's exciting. That's that's very, very cool. People are just trying to keep up with the growth in the market. And yeah. The adoption of it. Yeah. And uh, so, and it even, it hasn't even hit mainstream. I mean, it, it's now, it's relegated to small, you know, like small CBD stores. Okay. That's, that's definitely not mainstream. Okay. It, it, and there's coming the time in the next five years where it's going to be in, you know, large mass retail. Yeah. Yeah. And that's. And that's where you see CBD, the, the CBD uh, industry headed is is more mass, mass retail, yeah. Yeah. And see it as like hemp derived products, or you'll see, you know, hemp derived products, supplements, things like that, for sure. Yeah, that's fascinating. Well, John, this is this is really really cool. If someone wanted to learn more about you, your services, the industry, uh, any suggestions on where they can go and and do that? Sure. You can go to extractlab.com, E-X-T-R-A-K-T, it's spelled with a K, T, lab.com. And uh, there we have podcasts, we have calculators, we have uh, guides you can download. And I've written most of them, uh, so if there's a misspelled word, it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, uh, but we, there we have, we have hundreds of hours of podcast content, too. So go go check it out. And the mini courses are just starting now. So you can actually be certified if you want to. And we've been, like I said, we've been teaching people to get into the business for, you know, for years now. So, yeah. So, you know, people like to get certified. And so we're, we're 
we're allowing them to be certified for, you know, processing or extraction or hemp business or quality or whatever. That's 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 great. That's great. Yeah. No. Again, John, this is this is really interesting, and certainly wish you nothing but luck or success with with all of this. I mean, it's it's really an interesting industry being able to sort of being on the ground floor as this all kind of explodes around you. So and it's so fun. Yeah. It's fun, you know. So and by the way, my office does smell great. It smells. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, and our, our building is filled up with uh, fresh hemp. And so you get that nice, fresh hemp smell. It's, it's, it's just absolutely, um, it's, it's a delight to be here. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's great. No, I certainly appreciate the, uh, the time, John. And uh, we'll, we'll keep, uh, check back with you in the future and see what new things are, are popping up. And, Thanks uh, a lot, Matt. Yeah, sure. no problem. Thanks for listening. And remember... Pass the secret sauce.